The pinnacle. We reached it. We were world champions. There it is! The dagger's in! We're gonna win the Super Bowl! The future was bright. A new era for Tampa Bay Buccaneers football had begun. We opened the link the same way we shut down the vet. Then it happened. Injury after injury. Draft mistake after draft mistake. The storm had set in. Since 2006, Buccaneers fans have been in the center of the maelstrom. Five new regimes claim to ring in a new dawn for this once powerful franchise. But instead, fans have faced the ridicule of 120 losses, an average of six poultry wins per season, zero playoff appearances after 2007, finishing last place in the Division 8 over those 12 seasons. Wave after wave of embarrassment, pain, crushed hopes, and disappointment. But something else happened in 2006, a year after its inception. What the Buck gathered truly dedicated fans to share the ritual of tailgating with the most passionate here and abroad. Through the hope of victory and the promise of tomorrow, our own brand of tailgating with a purpose was born. Win or lose on the field, our tailgate is and will always be undefeated as we share food, drink, stories, and passion while donating hundreds of thousands of dollars to local charities via the family that tailgates have created. What the Buck has been a constant, a Bucks fan's northern star. And to continue that analogy, the What the Buck tailgate spot has truly been all Bucks fans poured in the storm. A safe place to gather, revel, help each other, and dream of better days for our beloved Buccaneers. This season, the port is real. We need you amazing fans to step up again. Bring it even harder. As calmer seas are ahead, we've been there before. We know the course. We have our ship and the crew. We embark on this great adventure, leaving this port to return to the days of pillaging the rest of the NFC South and the NFL. Now is the time, time for our Buccaneers to truly rehab. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to WhatTheBuck.net. We are live without a net, as my friend Spent used to say all the time. It's good to have you guys here. I'm super excited to have Chris from Buck's Brief Podcast of the Past, now BYOCB in the house. Chris, welcome to the show this evening. Thanks, man. I turned turn my uh, volume down. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's all right. You're monitoring over on the side. We appreciate you guys joining us either on the Facebook feed or on the Mixler.com feed. If you're over in the yeah pinnacle we're doing the video thing uh, on facebook it seems to be holding up well as as well so sounds like the audio is going well uh, across the board so all technology seems to be working maybe it's just good luck because chris is in the house and it's been so long this is the first time i think you've actually done anything in this room right yeah first time i've been in here yeah so we're the house is under some renovation the uh actual poker room or what was formerly the poker room now the bar uh is under renovation so we are going to be doing this from here until that gets done and i want to i want to kick things off i want to thank our sponsors and i want to do a couple things to talk about the saints game because it was so exciting 
And we've got a ton of material to cover with the Eagles game as well. Uh, so first, I want to thank all these sponsors. Listen, they've been coming in strong. Steps Towing, as you guys know, is our premier platinum sponsor. They're with us all year round. We love what they do. We love how they do it, and we appreciate their support of us. We want to thank our friends at Tito's Vodka, our friends at Steakhouse Elite, and our friends at Pepin Distributing, as well as Yingling Brewery. Those guys are all in uh, this season, and I'm going to tell you there's going to be some exciting changes at the tailgate. I can't show all of them. If you're local and you've driven by the tailgate spot, you've seen a couple of things, but we're bringing in some new traditions. We're bringing in some some different approaches. And, you know, after this many tailgates, this season will be our official 100th tailgate. I'm not going to tell you which game it is, but we'll probably make a lot of noise about it because we're not quite about shit. So we're going to be doing a lot of new things throughout this season. First and foremost with regards to New Orleans is let's just thank whatever supreme being you believe in that Franco was released uh, from the New Orleans Saints jail. Fish, I'm not sure if you know about this, but Franco was uh, mildly incarcerated um, during the game. Uh, we were, of course, doing well, and he got into it with a Saints fan. No and kidding. Yeah, well, sadly, the reality is uh, the – uh, and thank you for our BYOCB fans out there for tuning in. I see Justin Cook over there and Sean Richardson, uh, who are uh, Fish's people from his other podcast, his wildly successful podcast there on craft go. beer. Um, so Franco, one of our great, talented guys. He's done our th- anthems for years and terrific guy. Uh, very animated during the game. I was sitting two sections over from him. I saw him. He's mixing and mingling with the crowd. There was a particular gentleman down who was part of the Saints ground crew uh, who who hollered a racial epithet at him and that is not good. And he went down to try and get it squared away with the police. Right. Uh, and the police officer who also happened to be an African American gentleman did nothing to help. And things escalated. Uh, thankfully, a lot of the folks that travel with us got video of the whole thing. Franco went into the, the jail. They have so- one at the super Yeah, they have one just like, uh, they do in, in Raymond bit. James. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well we have one too. Um, oh, I didn't know that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they let him watch the game. They let him get a hot dog and, and it was fine. So I'm glad Franco was free. Another side note, you guys know I love New Orleans. I always have a great time in New Orleans. We've been there for so many years. I think 11 out of the 13 years we've done What the Buck, we've been to New Orleans. Twice they did it over Christmas, and that screws me. We've always gone to Tropical Isle. You guys have seen the pictures. I know my local friends out there are like, why do you go to that place? Those drinks are terrible. Yes, I know they are. It's okay. It was always home away from home. This year, uh, they ended up throwing us out um, because Franco, once again, all he did was go on stage to wish congratulations to our friends who got married. Joe and Katie, and he was a score. He didn't cause a problem. He just went up to the stage. We had been tipping the bartender, tipping the everyone. Like we were the only ones in there. Thirty people in the bar. We're the only ones. And uh, security's like, he's got to go. I'm like, what do you mean he's got to go? It's a rule. If you go on stage, you're thrown out. I was like, he <laughs> he stepped on the stage. So we all left. So the moral of this story is, fuck Tropical Isle. We'll <laughs> never step back in that place again. As far as I'm concerned, that restaurant, bar, whatever, can burn to the ground. Out of the 11 uh, away games that you've been to in New Orleans, how many did their fans take off super early like they did on Sunday? Uh, I think out of the 11, only two. Yeah. Yeah. What was funny, though, is and I told you this four years ago, I think, when we were doing well, we were shit. They were supposed to trounce a mud hole in this. We kept it competitive. And I'm around guys, and they're like, they're, they want to bench Drew Brees. Yeah, they're booing Drew they're Brees. They're booing Drew Brees, yeah. the guy that has brought them to this promised land. You can say Sean Payton did it because he has certainly a role to play. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, and, and listen, I love New Orleans. The fans are always easy to get along with. Now, this year, it was like watching a game in New England, though. It's like they never saw a drink before. It was up and down, up and down. It was almost like you know, my friend Chris that went to the game with me said it was like the Austin Powers movie where the, like every time there was nudity, there was something that popped up in front right. of the guy's bean. Right. 
it was like there was some sort of game trying to stop me from seeing the game. So eventually I just stood up, and fortunately we had some other fans around us that all agreed that it was silly. But all in all, it was fantastic. So we had a great time. It was good to be there. Thank you to our hosts out there and to everyone who made the trip. We had a huge contingent of Bucks fans out there, which was fantastic. Uh, so it's good to see Bucks fans traveling more. That's always exciting. This week's tailgate, and this is going to end our preamble, is for One Voice, our pediatric cancer partners. You know we love One Voice. We do a lot of work for them. The first two tailgates of every season are for One Voice. Uh, we will be doing the WHIP pediatric cancer campaign, which means you can pay and throw a pie in the face of anyone who's willing to take a pie in the face. Ah. We had a we had a Giants fan do it one year who was fully decked out. And really, it's just about trying to raise awareness. It was all about the ice bucket thing. They did such a great job. We tried to kind of jump on the tails of that. So get out to the tailgate. 9 a.m. will start. A lot opens before that. Uh, don't, donation driven. We'd love to have you guys out there. Um, I also want to tell you that when we were excavating a little bit, we discovered some history to our tailgate lot. And to learn more about that, you'll have to actually show up. But we discovered an interesting uh, sort of historical reference that ties right into the pirate lore of the Buccaneers. Is it an Alvin Harper jersey? It, it, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Kurt's listening to this show. I think it, I still have one of those. It's not an Alvin Harper jersey, uh, though that would be fantastic. Um, but no, it's, it's interesting that we found it and we're going to have to continue it. Otherwise, you know, when, you, when you're made aware of something, you can no longer ignore it, right? right. It, it's, it's real, so we have to make it aware. So let's kick this thing off. Chris, again, welcome. Thanks. Have you heard the whining so far about the Bucks defense? Or is oh, it just me? Oh, God. <laughs> I've muted so much on Twitter. It's great. I, I, I don't get to see as much as, of it anymore. So, uh, yeah, it's one of the things that I really hammered home last year, even though I've been retired, is that uh, the Bucks defense stepped up in particular games when the offense didn't step up. Uh, the offense stepped up in games where sometimes the defense didn't step up. Special teams sometimes stepped up in games where neither stepped up. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one game. Uh, they forced two turnovers. They were pretty incredible in the third quarter. Dominated the third quarter. Uh, didn't allow a first down, I believe, two three and outs and a fumble. Correct. So And it had a touchdown in the, in the end of the, the first half. Uh, awful in the first half, definitely. And I think, you know, kind of slowed a little bit in the fourth, just wanted to – uh, tackle, keep the guy in front of you and tackle, right? They gave up some plays, obviously, Absolutely. in the fourth quarter. Schematic they, more than yeah, anything else. They had a lead at that point. So everyone's so quick to jump on the defense. Always. And I don't know what it goes back to. I think it goes back to this hatred for some reason of Gerald McCoy. And he just kind of, am I good? You're a little low. <laughs> You're a little low. You need to talk right into it. Til- I'm a podcast til- host. Tilt it up a little bit. Yeah, let's do this. It's, it's, the, it's the mic, probably. Okay. I've got, I've got this headset mic, which is an advantage. All right. Oh, so, see, now you sound beautiful. beautiful. Oh my God! That's see. This is why he's the king of Orlando podcast I try, radio. I try. So we didn't make uh, top three this year, but it's all right. What the fuck? We uh, probably number four. Okay, we, um, that's fine. But I think it, it's you know Mike Smith and people are so quick to jump on. I think there's just players on the defense that seem to tick the fan base off. The Chris Contes, the Ryan Smiths. Now it's Mike Smith and Gerald McCoy. Sometimes uh, I just I've I try to execute a little bit more patience because I know this is a work in progress. And obviously, the majority of the offseason was spent to try and add uh, pieces to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, there's a lot of injuries right now, so we're not seeing the full squad. Uh, obviously, we know the cornerback situation right now. And, and de- defensive tackle is 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 was a, a strength, I think, we thought. Uh, and now with Vita Vea being on, with Unrein being out, uh, we're forced to play Golston a lot, uh, Bo Allen, McCoy. And then behind that, there's not much there. So uh, I think it's just people need to execute a little bit of patience, but we're also want to know. 
and they did enough to win the game. They scored a touchdown. Uh, you know, we we got where I wanted to go. Right. How do you tell the difference between winners and losers? The the, the win loss column. The scoreboard. <laughs> I don't care if the defense gives up eighteen thousand yards in a game. Right. If they stop the other team enough, we had one punt in this game. Yeah. One, and it was third and nine. And instead of trying to get the or third and one, and instead of getting the one yard. They go for the nine route to Godwin, where he gets tangled up in the cornerback. It mm-hmm. would have been six points. Sure, it was a great decision. But I'll tell you what: it, hopefully Brian doesn't get paid per punt because he was pretty bored. Right at this game, I think he's going to be bored a lot this year. So uh, Tom Brooks says he saw the coach's film. It was not good on D, but Breeze is great. So uh, I have not gone back and watched the Bucks coaches film because when I watched it there, I saw a lot of offense I wanted to talk about, and I really just got so annoyed by the bitching about the defense yeah. in a game where we had a 3% chance to win. Nobody gave us a chance to win this game. We come out after scoring 48, and fans have the audacity to bitch. Now, I get it. We can improve. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you don't have the right to say this. You have the right to say whatever the hell you want to. Shit. But for the love of God, like Chris said, the defense got some turnovers. The defense scored. The defense gave the offense a chance to do what it did. And in the end of the game, yes, they went into – atypically, they went into essentially a shell. You can't let Drew Brees march down the field like that, right? But we don't care how many yards you're giving it up. Just don't. Right. So for everyone who's out there going, well, we can't expect to score 48 points every game. No, we, we can't necessarily expect that. We just need to expect to score more than the other team. Correct. And you're going to have games where the offense is going to shat the bed. I mean, it's going to happen. Uh, and the defense is going to step up. We saw it many times last year where people could, oh, it's the 32nd worst, uh, it's the 32nd ranked defense in the league. They're they're awful. Yeah, but they've stepped, they stepped up at times too. The Jets game uh, pops mm-hmm. up in my head. The Panthers game at home where they did enough if the offense would have scored touchdowns and scored points, we would have won the game. So, you know, it's it's people have to be patient with it. I want to go back to a point that you said. I usually don't harp on national media and national attention that the Bucks get or do not get. But I really didn't understand the projections going into the season where people are, are expecting the Bucks to win one game, first pick in the draft. If you actually have watched what this team has done and has built over the last couple of years, and I think they showed it on offense this week, this team can be scary when they execute. This team is largely the same team it was last season. Mm-hmm. What they're doing is exactly what they should have been capable of last year. Right. The main difference being the offensive line is giving the quarterback ample time to do what he has to do. And we'll talk about this when we break this down. The difference, I think, this week to next week, and I, you know, we'll jump around because, well, it's our podcast and we'll do whatever the hell we want to do. Um, the Saints came out aggressively on defense, single high, press across against receivers they couldn't cover. I don't know why they did that. More than that, I don't know why they stayed with it. As soon as the Bucks showed that they were willing to take those risks, to beat the press and go long and hit a couple of times, I would have expected a defensive coordinator to drop back into a cover two sure. or some sort of a shell, go into quarters. You can't just let these receivers run past your guys all day. Which is what Philly's going to do on Which Sunday. Is Philly, Philly against Atlanta was too high most of the time. Right. They're playing way off. The Bucks offense is going to have to adjust. Munkin won't be able to run those same plays. Mm-hmm. Fitz won't be able to check to those same things. They're going to have to take what that defense gives them. We'll have to see some bubbles, some smoke screens, some quick ins, some stops, some hitches. We won't be able to get those big chunks until you force Philly to come up. Sure. 
So it's it's an, it's going to be an interesting, uh, I think, view from a fan's perspective to go back and see that the incredible contrast yeah. between these two defensive schemes, and mostly, I think, because Jim Schwartz has the advantage of having a front four that looks like they ain't got laid in ten years. Man, they are getting after it every single play, and they rush with four, and they don't oh. have, they don't have to blitz. No, and when they bring six, it's scary as hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, it almost going back and looking at the Saints game, I almost think that Lattimore they just left out there and, and had confidence in him that you know he he can go one on one against Mike Evans and we don't need to, to give him any type of help because they didn't. What's that? I'm sorry, I just got to notice. Uh, <laughs> Lattimore just got beat again by Mike Evans, <laughs> flat on his face. I mean, beat like he stole something. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. And, and to Tom Brooks in, in one of the chat rooms over here. We didn't even really use our tight ends that much. No, we did. Well, right, OJ was fine. Well, look at how many points did the offense scored. How many catches did Cam Braid have? None. Zero. None. And, we, and they still they still uh, executed on offense. So just think when he gets going, the tight ends are going to be used uh, and utilized. I think more this week. They're going to have to be than they were against the Saints. So that's an interesting point. And this is to the point of us hopping around here. The the interesting piece to this, in my mind, is one of the things I think that the Bucks did a little bit wrong last week was when we went into that sort of protect the lead mode, we went out of our spread formation. We run better right now out of spread. Our offensive line is athletic. Uh, Jensen's making right line calls, as was right. commented in the chat room, as you expected, because you've been stumping for Jensen for the better part of 15 years, I think. Um, when you bring everyone in, the defense gets to collapse there's less room to run. There's also less opportunity for play action. There's less opportunity to 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 take big shots. When I watched Atlanta uh, against Philadelphia this week, what I saw was very much the same thing. Uh, Philadelphia on defense is incredibly fast, just like Bucks defenses of the past have been. They're very fast laterally. They're very aggressive. Uh, and I've got a page of notes in here, which we're like we're jumping over to this week. So let's do that anyway. We'll talk more about the Saints, but maybe we'll talk more about the Eagles tonight because there's a lot of information about that. Um, the corners are aggressive, even though they're playing off, right? They're they're going to attack those receivers with the ball in the air, which plays into Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, not as much to Deshaun. Deshaun's not as physical receiver, right. but if he plays, if he passes concussion protocol. Which there, looks like he may, because I think he was... He was full participation in practice, so I, I would say... I don't know what the percentages are. Yeah. There are probably experts out there who know that. Um, but if he's there, that is such a game-changer because they have to protect the backside. They have no choice. Right. But I'll take Mike Evans or Chris Godwin physically against any corners on this team. Oh, absolutely. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see that. Now, with that aggression, I'm going to say Fitz being a vet He's going to get at least two offsides on these guys. These guys pin their ears back. The Falcons tried to use motion to nullify that speed, and it worked a couple of times. But uh, when I looked at this, you know, we've talked about this for years, uh, Chris. Against a fast team, if you want to run, and I know that all the experts are saying, and t- to tip the cap to our friend Tom Bassinger, right? Yeah. He he said like a Nostradamus. The Bucks had have to throw the ball to beat the Saints. He was not in the camp of run the ball, keep the ball away from Drew Brees, which is the historic thing. Right, and it makes common sense, right? right. How do you stop the Saints, keep them off the field? Right, because right. they're going to score on you. Right. Uh, he was right. He looked like a, a, a fortune teller, for sure. Um, but the interesting piece is, for this Eagles defense, they're so fast. You do have to pound them a little bit. And I don't think you pound them the way you think. You don't get in line up in a pro set. You don't go strong eye. What you do is what the Falcons did every once in a while successfully. You crack down on the end with a receiver. Right. You ear hole that guy. Which Godwin, and you, Godwin's getting pretty damn Godwin's good getting real good at it. Yeah. Right. And then you pull your athletic line out to the side. 
this is not rocket science. You can absolutely execute this. That's what the Eagles do. <laughs> That's what they do on offense. Right. So now, speaking of that, what do the Eagles do on offense? Tell me some of your observations about the Eagles, because I've got a bunch of notes here, but I want to see your observations about the Eagles. Yeah, I honestly was going into this game, and, and I feel like um, the Eagles were not impressive at all to me, uh, defensively way more than offensively. Offensively, I thought they looked pretty horrible. Uh, but that's also to give credit to the Falcons' defense because I think they have a pretty formidable defense and good coaching on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I'm not impressed at all. Uh, I, I know that Jay Ajayi uh, was nursing a foot injury, so I think that's why you saw him getting more carries in the second half mm -hmm. uh, versus getting more in the first half. I know they started with Sproles, uh, who didn't do much in that game at all. I think he's 43 years old now, matches his, his number. Um, he is also out. Oh, Sproles is out this week? Out. Oh, no kidding. For anyone keeping track, out. Alshon Jeffrey. Out. Yeah, no, out. he was out. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and Wentz being out, so we'll see yeah. Foles again. So the, the strength on the – to kind of overall talking about the Eagles, their strengths are on their offensive line and their defensive line. Everywhere else – and Eagles fans will tell you and the folks who cover the Eagles will tell you that their secondary is the best in the NFL. I, I disagree with that um, gr uh, mightily. I Dude, don't think that they are. Matt Ryan left 150 so to many. 200 yards on yeah, the field. So many. Um, but overall, they didn't impress me. I think I think the loss of their quarterback coach who ended up going to Minnesota, I believe, is their offensive quarter now. I haven't seen Nick Foles play a good game in preseason or in this first game. I think he was awful. Uh, and, and the the Falcons, I know, outgained, outgained them yardage-wise, uh, had opportunities in the red zone, and they didn't capitalize. Good and, Lord. And, and that's the problem because this game – probably should have gone a completely different direction if the Falcons took advantage of the opportunities that they had. And that gives me a little bit of hope going into this game, regardless of all the injuries that the Bucks have right now, is that the Falcons had opportunities on the road in Philly, game one, and just didn't take advantage of it. And Matt Ryan was completely awful. But again, the uh, there we go. Ah! Mark Cook. <laughs> That's Mark a Mark Cook, Cook reference. The front four of the Eagles is scary, and it's going to be a huge test for this offensive line, who I think played uh, great uh, week one against the Saints. Uh, so, it, it, again, the, up, there it goes again. Boy, the ghost, Three times. the ghost of Cook is in this room. Offensive line, defensive line this week to me is key. This, this Eagles, I think, are, are talented on both sides. So it's can we execute and get pressure from our front four, and can we protect uh, from their front four, and we'll see what happens. It's funny. I was when I was watching Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is not dissimilar from Ryan Fitzpatrick in a number of ways. Ironically enough, less mobile. He's not as mobile, right? <laughs> Despite right. the fact that Fitzpatrick is old enough to be his dad, uh, Matt Ryan is not nearly as mobile. I saw him opportunity. He had opportunities when the pockets collapsing around him. He had opportunities to step up and yep. make a play, or even get four yards and slide. But he'd step he up just, and collapse. He crumbled. He absolutely crumbled. Now, that's probably a lot to do with the fragility of his knees. Matt Ryan's got busted-ass wheels, and, and that's not a slight to Matt. Matt's a hell, hell of a thrower of the football. But the reality is what Fitz showed last week that I don't think is being talked about enough is something that Coach Cutter actually joked about and, and Fitz joked about in the offseason. He is deceptively athletic, and he is, well, you, you're not surprised by this. As a Harvard man, he's really smart. If he doesn't have the throw, he is going to escape, get yards he can get, or throw the damn thing away. He is not going to make boneheaded mistakes. Now, I'm not going to get into the, well, Jameis would or any of that kind of discussion because I don't care. We'll right. talk about Jameis after the bye when he comes back in and starts for the Bucks. Just don't let him hang out with Ronald Darby this weekend. Yeah, That's no, all I care about. No, no Darby. Stay away from Ronald Darby, Jameis. Now, um, the, the getting the ball out of your hand, and there's a lot of focus on this with the Raiders game. 
right? That John Gruden got his teeth kicked in. I fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get your the ball out of your hand with this defense from the Eagles, right? And Fitz is smart. I, I think he'll be able to do that, uh, especially if they decide to play off the ball because he will just deliver the ball on time. Uh, that's that's one of the critical things that he's got to do. And, and as you said, that offensive line has got to be able to give him the time to do those things. Now, Peyton Barber, again, because of... <laughs> Uh, because of the way this defense tends to over-pursue. And when I say over-pursue, I say over-pursue as a term of endearment, right? Because the Bucks defenses of yore that were so good over-pursued. They were so athletic. They would fly after the ball. That, bear, that bodes well for a, a one-cut back. Because if you can go full flow and he can cut back against that, that's where you saw Dante Freeman and Campbell, these guys make decent gains, mm-hmm. is cutting through the backside of the defense as they flowed across. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, Brent Grimes, the busted groin. Uh, not playing. Not Hargraves playing. Hargraves is out for the year. Hargraves is out for the year, which is so sad because he's been playing good football. And I know that one's near and dear to your heart. Well, because the guy, I mean, the guy gets a bunch of shit uh, yep. thrown in his direction. And if you actually go and watch the tape from last year, uh, once he was healthy, uh, he was playing some of the best football that he's played in his career in Tampa. Right. And it was getting allowed the opportunity to do what he does best. Uh, and you can see him out there with these rookies coaching them up and, and explaining to them what they need to be doing, where they need to be. He became a leader on the field, and he was making plays. And he got injured in that freaking turf in the dome making a play right. and knocking the ball away, just how Deshaun Jackson got hurt hitting the hitting the dome uh, and, and getting the concussion, making a play, and going down. So and it, it's, it sucks. Um, and with no grimes, it just I mean, it makes it that much important. Uh, more important, excuse me, for these young players to step up and start start making some plays, and and you're tossed in there, and this is what we have right now. So if the front four can start getting some pressure, it makes it a little bit easier for these rookies. I don't care if it's Brent Grimes or if it's Carlton Davis. If your front four can't get to the quarterback or apply any type of pressure, it doesn't matter who's playing corner because you can't have all day in the NFL to throw the ball. Now, I'm sure you know the staff of the Buccaneers are professionals. They watch the film more than we do, right? They sit in the film room for hours and hours and hours consuming as much as possible. Uh, with JPP with a little bit of a busted wheel, uh, he was not particularly effective against the Saints. Uh, that's not me busting JPP's balls. He just wasn't. I right. expect him to come out and have make a little bit more noise. But you definitely start to see that defensive line start to communicate a little bit. And that's what they've got to do. We've talked about it before. The lines on both sides are about choreography. They've got to learn how to dance together. This Eagles team seemed against Atlanta, though I don't know that they'll do the same against the Buccaneers, to allow their guards to play one-on-one more often than I would have expected. That bodes well for a Gerald McCoy. Sure. Their left tackle is hes premature like many men. And if the coaching staff of the Bucks isn't in someone's ear about how fast that kick step comes mm-hmm. and we don't get a couple of false starts, they're not doing their job. But there's a couple of things you can garner from this and one other observation I want to make. If you've got a tackle that kicks early, he is going to be the easiest key for you to read, run, or pass. If he kick steps backwards, chances are he's in pass pro. Yes, there's exceptions, draws, traps, etc. But you're going to get a good 65% chance of guessing that this is a pass play, and that helps you as a defensive line player. Additionally, Nick Foles in that game, and you'll have to tell me whether you've seen this in Nick Foles elsewhere. Yes, they run uh, RPO, which has now become the, the phrase of the year. Right. Run pass option. You heard it 15 times I, I get it. They're in the gun all the time. and uh, Yeah, okay, it's football, guys. He is a half-field quarterback, and I never noticed it before. I would say 80 or 85% of the time in that game, when he makes his first read, it's whatever side, read. Yeah. it's one side of the field. He right. may go deep or, or shallow, 
But even then, it's rare. Well, what they average four yards per pass? Yeah, it was I dink and was. dunk. Yeah. He was taking the checkdowns. Yeah. Now I didn't go back and watch enough to see whether that's because they had too much coverage over the top or what was going on in Atlanta secondary. But what I did see was that behavior pattern. And if you can take advantage of those sorts of behavior patterns, and what the Falcons started to do was when they noticed that, that's when they ran the blitz. That you put the gif up of right, right, where they sent a guy inside, the which the the running the running back rules blockers rules are inside out. He blocked inside out. He couldn't do anything. Right? Yeah. That was just going to be a sack. Now, it wasn't a particularly violent sack because I think players are afraid to hit quarterbacks nowadays. Sure. Uh, but I, I see this as a chance for the defense to play well. I don't think – I think Coach Cutter's right. He said it feels a lot like the Bears coming home, the Bears game, where we the defense played really well. Yeah, uh, last year. Last year. And uh, I, I don't know that I disagree with him in this regard. I think it's a, a very good point. What are your thoughts about Nick Foles and what the defense has to do? I, I agree 100% with what you said, that he's locking on one receiver – uh, and he's, he's going his first read. I, and I don't think he felt comfortable enough last week, and I believe that the Falcons were able to apply pressure. I think they only gave up two sacks, but again, it's, it's about applying the pressure, uh, where he was able to go through multiple reads. But again, there we go. He's got, at this point, with Jeffrey out, his weapons are who? Nelson Aguilar. Yep. And then Zach Ertz, who played probably one of the worst games uh, And looks career. dinged up. Yeah, can drop the ball, which he doesn't drop balls, and was awful blocking as well. But so, beside that... <laughs> Besides that, it's he, he consumed Gatorade well. Sure. Yeah. So nothing really impressed me from this Eagles offense. But if we go back to and look at their strength as their O-line with J.H.I. potentially getting healthy, I do think stopping the run is going to be mm -hmm. more key this week because you knew Kamara was going to do what Kamara was going to do. But you can't let those other guys come in and do anything. And obviously Gillisley fumbled. And the other Jonathan Williams, when he came in, didn't do anything. The defense stepped up. Uh, Ajayi scares me a little bit. I, and we have to stop the explosive plays from the Eagles running game because while collectively they put over 100 yards, if you look at their yard per carry or what they did individually, right. it wasn't that impressive, but they had three uh, three runs for over 10 yards. I think one popped for 22 or something that Ajayi had or the other guy. So It was it was the other guy actually late in the game. He, yeah. he broke off left guard. And he didn't get a ton of carries either. So no. if, if we just focus on the offense, I think Aguilar is going to come out wanting to have a huge game because he's from – he played high school football at Berkeley Prep. You know, he's going to have a lot of people there in the stands. I think he's going to want to have a good game. But it's really – it's him and Ertz, and I, I'm, no one else scares me. They have no other weapons, apparently. Now, they pulled a guy from the Canadian Football League, Chris Carter's kid or something, I think now got a tryout right. and is playing. And they re-signed Kamar Aiken. I don't know if he's going to play, but they're they're scrambling right now just to add any type of talent at the wide receiver position until Jeffrey comes back because they're just so dinged up and they don't have anybody. Let's speak about the surprise player that I think both of us were excited that we signed. I don't think either of us expected us to get a hold of who is making things a little bit interesting uh, with regards to the defense emphasis and this NASA. You're talking about the kid who gets uh, more snaps than Noah Spence. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a conspiracy theory about that, by the way. What's that? I think they're looking to move Spence. I do too. And I, again, I don't think it has anything to do with him not putting up good film. I don't either. I, I, I think that they're looking to move him. And not because I don't think that they don't like him. I think that they do like him. You think he's going to go to a 3-4 defense? You think he'd be better? I think he's better stood up. I, I do. I, I do don't think well. he can hold up. I think he's got to get around the end. And so I think you bring NASA in who fits us better. And you move him, and you Post go. Steelers game. We'll work a little. We'll work a little deal. deal. We'll work out a little deal. Can we get Le'Veon Bell for no expense? <laughs> Come on. Listen, that's why we're not GMs. Weapons for Winston. 
<laughs> no, it's going to be interesting. And, and JT, thanks for joining us over in the chat room. And he brought up the point about Mike Evans uh, this week one-on-one. I don't see the Eagles going to a whole lot of man against these receivers. I don't think any defensive coordinator in their right mind no. does that against these receivers because of what they just did. Yes, I get it. It was against the Saints. And everyone apparently thinks that the Saints showed up with like three defenders and they were just playing you know, seven-on-seven seven, uh, against the Saints. The Saints are an NFL team that was expected to pound a mud hole in us. Traditionally, the Dennis Allen Saints defense has played very well against the dirt cutter offense. Absolutely, historically, and look at it. So, um, I, I and I, again with the Eagles corners, I don't think they match up very well size wise. No, so you're going to see a lot of zone, and that's where I think this is where you can see the Cambrates and OJ Howard take advantage of the middle of the field. Absolutely, in this game. And, and what's what's nice is when you start getting everyone involved. Like, I was excited for Coach Munkin. I thought it was good for him to get this kind of activity, get the the point production. I love seeing Donovan Smith so excited afterwards. I love what you're starting to see amongst the team. I'm glad that Coach Cutter is starting to embrace it and stop being so crotchety about shit. It's about winning. And and I knew eventually he'd get there, and I think he maybe he was there before. He just came off as crotchety. I don't know the man personally. He has a hate beard now. He does. I love his hate beard. I, I think it's fine, right? As but, an edge. Ever since that Sean Payton thing from last year, he came out and said, I got I to look tougher. Listen, there was nothing to that. They're good friends. <laughs> there was nothing at all to that. Right. Listen, anyone does that to anyone in Polk County, you're from Polk County, you're sure. getting fought on the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad that he kept his cool. But no, I, I don't I don't disagree at all. If you've got your, your X and your Z out there dragging people around, especially if they're too deep, that leaves a lot of room in the middle for athletic tight ends like Cambray and O.J. Howard to operate with a quarterback who can deliver the ball. Now, all of this comes back to, will we see the Ryan Fitzpatrick that we saw last week against the Saints? No. Or will we see the Ryan Fitzpatrick that has gotten starts after doing things like this and then falls apart? I don't think he's going to fall apart. I think that if the front four can put pressure... If our offensive line doesn't protect, I think you, he's prone to make it a mistake, and we'll see a turnover. But you, I don't think how you can repeat that performance. That was all-world quarterback play on Sunday against the Saints. I, I don't. What was it a one fifty-six point two QB rating? Ridiculous. Something like that. Absolutely I imagine ridiculous. he hits Godwin for another TD. It's like Josh Freeman esque. <laughs> Didn't Freeman have one game where he Perfect just played game or out something. of his mind? Uh, it was the was it against the Falcons. It was a no. Was no, it was against? the Falcons. It was, was the Falcons at home, right? Yep, it was the Falcons. Oh man. No, it, it's it's interesting to see what this can end up being like. And and I, you know, at some point as Bucks fans, and it probably won't come until after week eight with continued strong play. And we have no guarantee of this, guys. Listen, this isn't the Bucks fans uh overhyped overreaction week two redux. Do, do you remember, and this goes back two years, so after the Falcons game on the road two years ago, which I believe was Dirk Cutter's First, first year as offensive coordinator. When they right? went up Look, and beat the Falcons. They beat the Falcons, and we had a podcast with Peter Report, and we were at... At uh, Keelan Curley. Yeah, it's Keelan Curley, two Henrys. Yep. And we sat up on the stage, and we all said, going into the Arizona game, game two, that we're like, we have so many weapons on this offense, and how can you stop when you got Doug Martin? Will you just go to Charles Sims? You got Austin Sferian Jenkins. You got Mike Evans. I don't know if Vincent Jackson was still playing, but we just... We're going on and on about how there's just so many different options for this offense, and then they, you see what, how they came out and played uh, in Arizona. Yeah, I saw that in person. It was great. Oh, God. But to me, and I said this on Twitter, the game against Atlanta was more similar in, to the game that we just had versus last year against the Bears, where right. the defense, defense was the star. stepped up, and I think we scored a Robert McLean interception. The offense didn't do much. Right. The offense is doing 
game one, one week, that's all we've seen so far, but we saw in the preseason, we saw glimpses of it. I think you can kind of pick up on trends of what you're going to see during the season in preseason. They're doing, they moved the ball fine last year, right? We moved the ball up yeah, and down just the field. Yeah, just didn't score. Just didn't score in the red zone. Red zone scoring wasn't great in this game, but they got the huge plays, the explosive right. plays. Which they didn't the get difference. to the red zone. Correct. It's like Happy Gilmore. If it's yeah. e I should just hit it in from here. It's easier, right? I'm going to do that in my foot golf tomorrow. <laughs> kick it 200 yards. Speaking of that, toe. quickly, pimp the foot golf thing real quick. We'll take a little bit let the guys answer some questions. Tell you guys in the chat room, get your skulls and swords into the chat room. Skulls are the bad one. Who was the bonehead of the week against the Saints? Who was our all-star MVP against the Saints? And also get your score predictions for this week's game against the Eagles and predictive MVPs on offense and defense. While Chris tells us a little bit about the fact, listen, you may not know this. You guys that are over here from Bucks uh, from BYOCB know it. He's a celebrity, uh, and he really. has been pulled into a foot golf uh, tournament or something. Let's, yeah, what's the celebrity? Scoop? So if you are listening to this on Saturday, I'm involved in a mediocre time with Tom and Dan podcast out of Central Florida. Is hosting a celebrity foot golf tournament out at Walt Disney World. It starts at eight a.m. And it all goes to and benefits an organization in Central Florida called the Yellow Brick Road Foundation. Uh, anything that's involved with kids, uh, I've always want to you know be a part of and help out with. So uh, what it what it is? It's an organization that works with families of children who have congenital heart disease. I said that actually correctly. I'm surprised at myself. Uh, is which, it congenital heart disease or defects? Uh, I believe it's disease. Maybe okay. it's defects. But it's something that impacts. Uh, I think it's one in every 100 children in the United States. So what they do is these these kids who are really confined to hospital beds, they mm -hmm. have to go through treatment. Uh, they can't leave. So the organization helps and builds these wagons that they hang the IV bags from and they can get out and spend time with their family and get out in the gardens uh, and do things. Uh, it also helps out with families and providing uh, things that they need with, when they're visiting their children. And one of the things they've launched recently is a college fund. So as you people can probably imagine that all these medical bills start to add up. Sure. So they're putting money towards raising uh, money for college to put in college funds for these kids uh, as they recover and go through that they you know have the funds to to go and go to college. So it's Yellow Brick Road Foundation. It's YBRF.org. People can go and log on and donate directly to it. It's a great organization. And I'm happy to be a part of it. For, for Tampa uh, fans, Drew Garabo is playing. It's probably ah, yes. the most well-known Tampa celebrity that will be there. So we'll see how it goes. It's foot golf, so it's soccer on a, a golf course. So it should be fun. But fantastic. anything well, I can help out with in Central Florida, and obviously I'm not a celebrity, but my podcast buddies invited me to this, and, and I'm going to go, and we're going to have a good time. Well, whether you think you're a celebrity or not, uh, you are a celebrity for this, and it's great that you're doing that. We always love to see people being involved in the community. Uh, I asked the uh, the clarification because my son Nicholas had a congenital heart defect, Tetralogy okay. of Fallot. So he had open-heart surgery when he was four months old. So I wasn't sure if it was about defects like that, which I had no idea of the uh, percentage rate of until I had a child who had one, right. um, versus disease, which is more of a uh, chronic condition rather mm -hmm. than an acute one. So great job by you, as well as uh, your whole team doing that. So... Uh, for the, you guys in the chat room, let's talk a little bit more about, uh, we talked about last week the Saints, what we had to see. What did we learn about this Bucks team going against the Saints that we think will translate well versus the Eagles? We didn't see a lot out of the run game. I thought Peyton Barber looked good, looked aggressive when he had an opportunity. Jacquez Rogers uh, is one of the best blocking backs I've seen in Tampa in a long time. And a number of the plays that were made on the field against the Saints were a byproduct of backs knowing their responsibilities. 100% agree. Uh, but but I do think we're going to have to see a little bit more of that offensive line, which, by the way, flashed the mean streak that you wanted when, and listen, I'm not in the Saints locker room, but my belief 
having been on sidelines, is when a quarterback is throwing the ball down the field on you the way Ryan Fitzpatrick is, your defensive line coach is going to tell you, if you get close to this guy, hit him. They did that, and that angered the Jensen. Well, this is what we've been missing on this offensive line for how many years? Well, we had a little bit of in Holly, but he wasn't physical enough. Right. Well, then they didn't put him on the field. Either. Right. And then they kept him <laughs> on the sideline. You can't be nasty on the sideline. This goes back. There's still a play that, that rings true to me, and it was against the Bengals when Josh McCown was at quarterback, and one of their defensive tackles uh, jumped. We didn't snap the ball. Right. It was Gilkey, actually. Garrett Gilkey. Garrett Gilkey. A, a friend of Ryan Jensen was at center. No one moved. And the defensive tackle came across the line and clotheslined McCown and took him down. And no one really stepped up. Uh, at the Packers, I believe it was that year, they were getting, he was getting just destroyed. And offensive line seemed to, oh, sorry, Josh, and would come back to the, to the huddle and act like nothing Yeah, happened. wait for him to pick his own ass up. Exactly. And I, you know, I think Logan Mankins, when we had him, was trying to bring the toughness to this offensive line. He retired. We didn't have it. Hawley brought it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But what Ryan Jensen adds is an element to allow, and this is what I was begging for the front office, which it didn't. it's not because of me that they no, signed it. No, it is. I actually, they got film on him. I talked to someone high up in the organization, yeah. the way many people claim, and they said it was because of you. No, it wasn't. That's not true. Jason Light probably did. Now, Brian Ford, he, he somehow he shook my hand. He's just like he knows me or something. Uh, maybe these guys keep tabs on stuff. I don't know. Brian knows everybody. But... um. He added an element to this team that allowed Ali Marpet to go back to guard, which, in my opinion, is his natural position. But there's this camaraderie that I see between Donovan Smith and Ali Marpet, and people can see it personally. They do oh, yeah. their own show and all this that. So allow the two of them to play together with Jensen anchoring the middle, and I feel like they have a very physical right guard that's got a lot of potential in Caleb Beninock. Now, this rotation shit, if we want to get into that, we can. And then you got Dotson on the right, who's been a pretty solid tackle for us. There is a difference... Because Ali Marpet on the field, good football player. Is he nasty? Is he going to knock you down? He, we haven't seen that from him. So there's this added element. He sure as hell was last week, though. And, that, and that's what I think Jensen yeah, brings. it spreads. You saw when Donovan Smith would lay a guy out yeah. in the running game. He would be jumping up and down and excited. And I just think it's a new attitude that's been brought to this offensive line because they were shit last year. I don't care what the rankings say. They're 15th best off in blind bullshit. They were terrible. We watched it. We saw Sweezy and then the rotation. Everything that happened, they were shit. And this is part of the reason why this team couldn't score points in the red zone last year was the offensive line. They couldn't run the ball, and they couldn't protect. But so, other than that. Other than that, they were fine, <laughs> right? Keep rotating. But that's what is different in one game that we've seen, right? They could shit the bed against the Eagles Absolutely. this week. And, and and you know what? Going against a front four slash front seven is going to be probably their biggest test. It's have a all hell year. of a test. Yeah, a legitimate test. But you at least have to have hope as a Bucks fan that finally we've got a unit that you can hope we can build upon. And it just we've got that added element that we have not seen here. Going back to Jeff Fain, maybe it, it kind of brought it. Uh, yeah, you got to. I go back to Middleton. Oh like yeah, Frank, Frank yeah, Middleton. Yeah, Frank Middleton. Will, he, he'll stab someone right now. Right. Right, I mean, he was mean. They they rated him the nastiest player in the league like five years in a row. They talked about the shit he did at the bottom of piles. No, I, I agree. And what I loved was during the game when that stuff started happening. I, like I said, I had some good fans around me, and they were upset about the call. And I was like, "Listen, I get it. You don't like the call. That's the call was it's correct. The rules now. I would NFL. hate it if we got the call. But and I feel your pain. I said, but be careful because what's happened now is Jensen's going to be gunning for that guy." Right, and so we're going through, and like three plays later, when Jensen got him, I was like, and the guy in front of me laughed. He goes, "That's the guy you said." I right. go, "These guys are not going to tolerate that." Now, 
what will be interesting to see is if this offensive line can put together a game where they allow a Peyton Barber to run for 170 yards. Right, I'm not saying exactly, but a game where Peyton Barber grinds out a 4.8 to 5.4 yard per carry average, and you can just ride him like a horse. Because while I don't necessarily think that Munkin would like to do that, I think he likes to throw the ball around. Right. If you can get four yards of carry on these guys, that's a low-risk offense. It is, but are they going to give Peyton Barber more than 19 carries a game? That's If, if people are impressed, no. Like, I had no beef. You know that. I am sure. a, a four yards in a cloud of dust coach. But if I step to the line, I've said this for 13 fucking years. If I step to the line and I see a single safety and you're impressed, I don't care what the play is. I'm taking a shot. The same way I say, if I see someone who's in 10-yard deep coverage bailing pre-snap, and I've got Deshaun Jackson, he better damn well not go run a nine. Mm. He better break it to a slant. I'm going to let him run 40 yards underneath everybody. This is the part of football that becomes super sexy to anyone who understands it. Is It is chess. It is fast-moving, violent chess. And it looks like Coach Munkin and, and Fitzpatrick are on the same page with it. I agree. I, and I think having, uh, just going back to Jensen, now when Jameis eventually gets back, he doesn't have to be that guy to have to step up for himself, right, if he takes a hit. Now he's got an enforcer on the offensive line that can do that for him, and he can just continue to talk to Munkin in his headset and, and, and continue to just focus on being a quarterback, which is something that we haven't had in a while. Jameis has had to stand up for himself. Uh, so it's just refreshing. It's, <laughs> it's nice. It, and, I, and I said it, too. I said, that guy just effed with Fitzpatrick. His ass is his ass, he's done. done. Yeah, he's done. You don't mess with him. And, and, and the fact that Jensen was able to get Marpet mad, Right now, and I have long said, listen, I don't know if you know Bill Marpet, Ali's dad, great guy, uh, very northeastern, long hair, ponytail. He's the guy you want when you're in a bar and you ha- you get into a fight. Like, I don't know if he can really fight, but I look at him and he's one- he reminds me of, was it Chris Christopherson? No, it's not Chris Christopherson. Who's the guy in uh, Roadhouse, the old guy? Oh, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. He is a Sam Elliott to me. And, and, and maybe unfair to cast him in this role. But to me, that's the role he plays. Ali Marpet's his son. And that was some Sam Elliott shit Ali Marpet was doing on the field. Yeah. And I happen to like to see it. Now, I, I would salivate when they would throw the screens back in the day and you'd have Holly and Marpet oh, out in Lord. space and just wanting, and that, I can't wait to see that this year and, and get, a, get a guy in space and, and have Jensen and Marpet in front of him. And, you know, if we ever learn how to actually throw a screenplay, to run a <laughs> screenplay, I don't really know why this is so complicated for us to do. We don't do it well. In fact, that is an overstatement about how well we actually do it. But we do seem to be able to leverage things that are similar, like bubbles, which is a kind of a screenplay. I get it. Fuck you with the nuance. Um, the jet sweeps that we run with Deshaun, same thing. Uh, you can run those with other players. And against a defense like this, the Falcons ran it a couple times. If you create that reverse motion, you can be successful. You have to use it, though. Yeah, they had success with it. You have to use it. Now, if you think this Eagles team is not going to be watching Deshaun Jackson every step he takes, you're crazy. Right? I'm not a fan of using him as a decoy because I think he's too damn talented, but sometimes the decoy is what you need. That reverse action stuff we run with the tight end where we run uh, boot action to the right typically uh, and then run the tight end underneath everything over to the left. We've hit Cam Braid on it for a touchdown. We've hit O.J. Howard on it for a touchdown. Sperian Jenkins back in the day. Sperian Jenkins back in the day. This is a play that works against a defense like this. right? If your QB can get booted out and you can protect him long enough, that play will be there. You're calling it right now, and I think I think we're going to see it this weekend. Let's see. <laughs> Let's see if it plays out. Now, now Jim Schwartz is probably listening to the show. You know, J- Schwartz uh, does listen quite he's, often. He's going to be ready for that. He, he will be ready. So um, be so ready, Monk. 
We uh, we had an interesting uh, skull and sword uh, knuck knuck in the chat room, which some of you may know is uh, Mark Cook's illegitimate cousin or something. Uh, he has apparently found some internet in his local holding cell and gave the sword to I think it was to uh, Rogers as a sixth offensive lineman, which was strong. Okay. That's and he a good gave pick. the skull to Quan. Now for his first quarter. For his first quarter, because he's pretty good. Because after, after that. the first quarter, I thought yeah. Quan balled his ass off. So it's it's an interesting pick, and there, there's a, a healthy fight in the chat room right now about that. Pinnacle also said to note Brian Ford once paid for his haircut and gave him a high five. I don't know if that's true or if it's Pinnacle. Brian Ford is the best thing to happen to this organization in a long time. He he, he certainly really works is. the crowd, man. There's no doubt I, about I that. I love that guy. There is no doubt about that. So, uh, yeah, Ben Curtis. We uh, you know it's funny fish. Used to talk about the Kiko Alonso play all the time with Jensen. That was that was a claim to fame for sure. Well, that's where I got the hard on for him. Oh hell yeah! I mean, it, that you got you love to see that. Yeah, that's exact. And and I we had talked about it for years, Derek. Is that when are we going to get violent on the offensive line? It's just so passive and just ho hum, you know, whatever. It just it it irritates you as a fan. Yes. And he was the type of player that I thought would inject that type of attitude into our offensive line. And it's worked so far. One game. 100% of the opportunities it has worked. Sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, it, we say it all the time. It used to hurt me so badly um, to say I wanted an offensive line like the Eagles with John Runyon. I, I wanted a guy whose back is so hairy, the pads don't cover it, and he's <laughs> ready to kill people. That's what I need on the offensive line. Um, Nuck Nuck is, is staying hard on his Quan Alexander. I'll go back and watch the coach's film on Quan. He said there were bad angles on Ginn and Kamara. Per happens. Uh, bad run gaps. Interesting. I didn't see a lot of that, but and I didn't see a lot of the missed tackles, but Nuck Nuck is on him. Fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I, I can get that. That's okay. And Nuck Nuck is a, despite the fact that he's a repeat offender, uh, it doesn't seem as though he's drinking right now, and when he's not drinking, he is an astute observer of this game we love. Yeah, I, I, I was kind of searching for who it would go to, but I, I can't. I can't. You don't have a, a skull? I can't argue with that. Do you I, have a skull? I, Who's your skull? I hate to pick on the young kid. I'm trying to go on the defensive line and see if there's anyone. But JPP was hurt. Carlton Davis, you know, getting, obvious choice. Carlton know, Davis got beat like he stole something. Ted Ginn, you know, just and he actually learned how to catch the ball. So I, I still go. don't know how they taught him to do that in New Orleans. Yeah, I got to go Carlton Davis, but Quan is a runner up. Yeah, and and someone's gonna give the big cat. Uh, a skull, and then I'm going to tell the big cat about it, and then he will find you, and he will kill you. Plus 40, man. It's, it, it's 40 yards plus. It still concerns the shit out of me. Fear not. You know, no. who, you know who else missed a field goal this week? Who's that? Bryant. Matt Bryant. They got blocked? No. Missed it. He pushed missed it. it. Pushed it. Bad snap. Which one? Was it the extra? I knew he missed it. It was extra point. point. I'm sorry. It was okay. extra point. You know the extra point that would have given them the lead? The three-point lead, not the two-point lead. So it, what's what's funny is, if you're putting Quan on Ginn, the skull goes to Smith. That's a good point. It wasn't Quan on Ginn, though. It was Carlton Davis, I think, on Ginn that got beat. Yeah. Uh, it was Quan that was trying to cover Thomas on the option route. Now, let's talk about that option route. I, I actually want to talk about this uh, in this show. They ran the option route with Thomas. They ran the option route with Kamara. And what this is, and this is nothing to do with the run-pass option, and if you're not a football guy or girl, this is going to be a little confusing. What it is, essentially, and it's usually a back, but they ran it with the wide receiver as well, it gives the receiver, whoever he is, an option after he comes out from pass protection typically to break left or break right or sit down. It's a three-route option. It's a staple for any offense. I have no idea why they stopped calling it. The Bucks never truly defended it well. They once floated a linebacker back on the underside. They gambled, which is what you have to do, and they stopped it once. But they only stopped it once. 
I have no idea. If I were Sean Payton, I wouldn't have even huddled. Right? Just run, do it all the time. Run whatever you want. You can't stay with him. Our linebackers are some of the most athletic linebackers in this league. Kamara's faster. Right? You saw you saw a lot of matchups with with Quan on Kamara or Levante. Yep. Levante matched up against Michael Thomas. Yep. Which is going to be a lose. Well, because they're running them underneath, right? right there. Exactly. It, it was good schematics by Sean Payton. Sure. But the fact that they went away from it is absolutely puzzling to me. I don't know whether he gurued out, which Peyton has a tendency to do, because we never really shoved it in their mouth. Like, we never really busted him in the teeth with it. Also known as a jerk route, since the linebacker's made to look like a jerk. Funny, Tom. <laughs> Tom Brooks is uh, in, in the running for best chat room member of the year so far, by the way. Uh, Dark Horse candidate out of Minneapolis. I don't know if he's on Minneapolis. I made that up. Battle Cat says Pinnacle. Yes. All right, so other swords and skulls. I had said I expected a lot out of Peyton Barber and Gerald McCoy. I thought I got enough out of Peyton Barber. I did not get enough out of Gerald McCoy, but he played acceptably. I expected more. I think they were keying on him pretty well. I he was got knocked on his ass one time. Oh, he got freaking depleted. Yeah, that's it, stuff, I know it happens. That stuff happens. That yeah. that never bothers me. I, I was disappointed in JPP, but he was dinged up. Uh, we have still got to see this defensive front four, and this is the difference—the stark difference between these two. There are a lot, but the one I'm going to talk about right now: the front four of the Eagles is good by itself. They're dogs. They're going to get after you. Uh, this offense will measure its line by how it holds up against this defensive line. Fletcher Cox, Chris Long, who I am in absolute man love with for a trillion reasons, not the least of which is what he does on the field, but off the field he's even better. I wanted him when he hit the market and we didn't go after him. These guys are voracious. Now, they're voracious against what I call Frankenstein blockers. I've talked about this before. Good offensive linemen do not shoot their hands until they will make contact properly. And if you watch the game against the damn Falcons, the Falcons linemen are big, and they're long, and they were shooting their hands out, and as soon as you show your hands to this line, it's like the Bucks defensive line of the past. Uh, Marinelli was great with hand fighting. If you give that line a chance with your arms, you're going to get beat. It's not if, it is when you will get beat. This line has to maintain their discipline. Coach Warhop has to make sure that this line maintains their discipline. And if they shoot those hands, they better damn well hit them in the mouth. You see this in Donovan a lot which, when we talk about technique. Yeah, yeah he his, Frankensteins. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a lot more pervasive in tackles than it is for guards because guards are in tight anyway. Mm -hmm. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, Buckner is a, a stickler for keeping your hands in close for this reason. He doesn't want his defensive linemen to shoot their hands until it's a counter. Right, And so even when you're working pads, now if you've ever seen guys working pads, you'll see them like long arm in the pads. That's not how Buckner has them do it. He actually has them in a tension in a, in a therapy band to keep their hands in, and he wants it to be a shoulder and hip smack. It's got way more power, and it doesn't put you in a position for injury, and it doesn't let someone get a hold of your arm. So that attention to detail, and, and I wasn't close enough to the offensive line to see drills that are similar. It's hard to drill that sort of stuff. Um, but you definitely have to see that against the Lions because if you look at Fletcher Cox, if you look at what uh, Chris Long did and all the guys, anyway, Brady Graham, yeah, yeah, as soon as those hands come out, these guys were, were ripping across or, or swimming through. It was, it was brutal uh, what was going on. How much different did you see between the drills and the technique that uh, Buckner was teaching this D-line versus Jay Hayes of last year? You know, the biggest difference, and, and I wasn't a Jay Hayes guy, but I wasn't an anti-Jay Hayes guy. Right. Um, Jay Hayes was an attention-to-detail guy. But Jay Hayes rubbed a lot of guys the wrong way uh, on that line. Um, 
I can tell you Buckner is upfield aggressive. It's first three steps. And I kept talking about that when I was at training camp this year. And we haven't seen it manifest itself yet. But whereas Hayes was interested in first step, first step to position, Hayes is first step position, second step motion, third step move. Right? So everything he did was by the time you make that third step upfield, if you haven't already been engaged, then you're executing your first move. And everything is on the other side of the offensive line. We want to establish the line of scrimmage behind the line of scrimmage. That plays well for guys like Vinnie Curry, like JPP, like Gerald McCoy. It doesn't play well maybe for a Bo Allen or a Vita Vea or these right. bigger guys, and that's okay because if they can absorb some guys, then the other guys can move around. Uh, the other thing was the impact point. He also wants his guys to be smart, and that, let me couch that a little bit differently. It's not that Jay Hayes didn't want his guys to be smart. There was a lot of time spent at once you get engaged, if your first move gets stopped, right, you already have to have two moves loaded because you only get two. Look at that. My iPad's talking. Hey, it's been recording like, it's, the whole time. It has. Look at that. That's weird. <laughs> I hate Apple so much. Got a transcript for your podcast right now. That's there. great. Look at that. This is the iPad that failed us last week. Go Ooh, to Apple. bed, Siri. Yeah, Siri, you're a whore. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, what he wants is when you engage, if you get engaged by the lineman, if they get under your pads, find the play, right? And when you called out the Fletcher Cox interrupting the screen pass, that's why. If you're not a vet, and so you can't feel that, a lot of times defensive linemen feel plays like that. They don't see it. They just know based on what's happening what's going to go. But if if you're engaged and you're peeking to see that, right, that's what Buckner was on. And he's like, listen, even if you don't make the play, be in the right place so that someone else can make the play. We've talked about it with corners all the time because yeah. fans will just jump shit on people, especially corners. Well, why did he jump outside and try and, instead of making the tackle? Because he has help inside. It's a team game. So uh, I was impressed with Bunner. I was impressed with the whole defensive staff, to be honest. I didn't see a lot of Mike Smith out there, but he's the coordinator. He wasn't out there in the position drills. Right, right, right. All right, let's, uh, let's get to predictions for this week a we little bit. We didn't do swords from last game, did we? Oh, swords. Who's your sword? Oh, come on. It's got to be Fitzpatrick. <laughs> it's Fitzpatrick. And and it's not that there's not – we only give one, right? So you, you could give that. one to Deshaun Jackson. You yeah. could give one to Mike Evans. You could give one – listen. The offensive line. The offensive line, all of them. Chris Godwin's catch on the skinny seam Beautiful. to keep a drive alive. Beautiful. One of the best catches I saw all week. You know? He came, He just comes up with those. It, it, it's like every game. It's freakish. And, and it's funny because Coach Cutter looks like a genius on this one when he says he's a co-starter. He is. And we did. We left 10 points on the field. Yeah. Because he should have had a touchdown, and we should have made the field goal that Big Cat missed. It's, it's, By the way, Big Cat's kick was blocked. I don't know if it was. I don't think it was blocked. I, ne- I never went back and watched the, uh, <laughs> this tandem. And I'm not comparing them from a talent standpoint or a- any of the, But having the three wide receivers that we have is, to me, very similar to Jervicious, Keyshawn, and McCardell. Just that it's three guys that you could say, all of them could be the starter, and they're all going to go out and make plays. Yeah. So you know, having the one A, one B, or two two A, I don't give a shit. No, because they're all going to go out and make plays for you. No, and the interesting piece is when we had Mike Williams of uh, Cash Money, whatever the hell, fame or infamy. Um, Mike couldn't get off a jam, and as soon as the league realized that, Mike left the league. Right. Every one of our receivers, even Deshaun Jackson, who's the smallest, you can't jam them. Which is why what New Orleans did just You'd be crazy is absolutely. Be- Lattimore on the on the Mike Evans touchdown? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> well, I mean, listen, I'd love to give... Pinnacle says the kick was tipped. He says that yeah, Big Cat's kick was tipped. 
Anyway, yeah, so... so Well, Pat Murray was hurt last year, so... Hey, listen. <laughs> I get it. If you put Pat Murray and Big Cat in the, in the room at the same time, there'd be a quantum uh, something, singularity. Um, <laughs> OJ Howard gets two TDs, says Pinnacle in the chat room. JT me. Westbury uh, wants me to tell you he's enjoying the show drinking a Bud Light. <laughs> oh, how dare you. Hey, I know that you're a craft beer guy, but we're happy with Bud Light because Pepin's one of our sponsors. No, it's okay. So. <laughs> I'm not, I don't judge people for what you drink. I just like the local and independent. That's okay. That's fair. Totally fair. All right, so swords for both of us were Fitz, uh, Skull. Carlton Davis. Carlton Davis. Yeah, that's, that's not a bad pick. Poor guy. But Nothing what's personal. funny is I like I like these guys getting the burn. Well, I feel better when Brent's back? Yes. I wish that we didn't have Vernon on IR, right? But that's what uh, that's what happens sometimes. Right? Injuries happen. I did like that they brought, they immediately brought in MJ Stewart and played him for a few series. Yeah. When Davis got absolutely get clear your head. Yeah, exactly. Clear I your don't head. think we'd see that in the past. Just no. Continue to let him play. No, and and you're seeing Justin Evans be exactly what they thought. Uh, people are going to go and uh, attack Chris Conti again for reasons I haven't quite anticipated or understand. Try but, to think of it and go back to this game. Did he make a tackle that would have saved? I don't know. I can't remember because I've seen him do it so often where a linebacker goes to the wrong gap and then you have to go into the secondary and then Conti's the only one there. The only guy left. And he makes the play. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Rick Hughes wants us, has a question about Rojo. He's a number two pick. A walk on free agent was active. Educate me on this. What are your thoughts about Rojo? Not ready yet. Just not ready. You've got, you've got Jacquez, who is, is great in pass protection. Uh, Peyton Barber can do it as well. Uh, Rojo is not going to come in and get any carries at this point, but he doesn't play special teams. So that's why you're seeing Sean Wilson get the nod, not because of he plays offense, but because he's the kick returner. And he's a very, I think he's a very good kick returner. I'm excited for the first time in a long time. I pulled the, I pulled the clip of it. One guy dove and got him on the ankle. Boy. Cause if not, it was the kicker. Yeah. That's it. And he's blo- He's already, he's beyond the kicker at that point. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's, he's ex- uh, executing the afterburners or, uh, I forget what the question even. Oh, Rojo. Rojo. You know, get, give the guy time. Give the kid time. I, I, I'm not. He had an awful preseason, I, just from what we saw. Uh, but he was also on completely different offensive lines. I don't think he played behind the starters. I don't even think the starters were playing at the time. So he's not dressed because they don't trust him from a blocking standpoint. This, right now. this is one of those things. And the, his follow was how is a walk on free agent ready? I don't know who you're referring to as a walk on free agent. Sean Wilson. So. Okay, the the fact that how you got there doesn't matter, right? You you just described the position differences. It's the fact that Sean Wilson's a kick returner. So he plays special teams, right? Right. What I don't understand, and I'm not attacking you, Rick, but but this was something that I don't understand that people do about draft picks all the time, and, and it was all last week about Vita Vea versus Derwin James. It's all off you, you make investments. You don't necessarily need them to pay off immediately unless you are terrible, right? We were not good last year, but we were close to mediocre and arguably close to pretty damn good with the games that we lost in the fourth quarter. So uh, I've never really understood the preoccupation uh, with with the bust label coming out so fast. And James Butabi, holy shit, Mr. Butabi's over in the chat room. We hear it. Said that Nick Chubb only got, was it or was it Chubb that only got three carries in Cleveland? Is that true? He's very, he's very in the depth chart. Yeah. I mean, so, you... you um, I think you, you you hit the nail on the head too because because we hear the same thing about Hargraves. Yep, he was a first round pick. He's going to be your nickel back. Like he's you, coming in start. Yeah, got I mean, got to got to play him. He's a first round pick. So, and and the Vita Vea pick I think was more for the future versus immediate need. 
because this team hasn't drafted defensive tackles and Gerald McCoy is not going to play until he's 40 years old. So eventually you've got to start adding some bodies there. Uh, I know people liked the Derwin thing because of where he played college football, and he's a good. He's hell of he's a also a hell of a football, football player, player. Yeah, I, ir- I ir- irrespective of where he played. We just get it locally yeah. because you watch the games on Saturday. Yeah, so he's a popular player. It's right. it's just like when UF had a good football program or these other schools had good football programs. We wanted those players absolutely on the Bucks. Um, but uh, Ronald Jones, I think, can develop into a decent back. Uh, I wish what I saw from him is that he tried to break everything for yeah, a he read you bushed and just you know take what's there, which is what Peyton Barber's gotten really uh, really good at. Uh, we've seen over the past last half year and then in preseason into game one. And and it's interesting to see that the Peyton Barbers of the world get a chance to get to the second level. It was not, and I've said this a thousand times, so I'll probably try and stop saying it at some point in the season. He is a more athletic Ernest Graham. He looks Ernest, different this year. He looks more cut. He looks a little more svelte. Uh, he looked like the challenge was something he was ready to accept. He saw this as his opportunity, and I think he believes that he has an opportunity to cement this as a starting role, let Rojo learn behind him. Jacquez Rogers, who I love, is not long for this league. He's been in the league forever, right? But he's one of those guys you can count on. Uh, this is not a team that's going to run with a fullback because we have an Allen Cross who can come in and play fullback when we need him to, and every time they throw the football to him, you know what he does? He catches the fucking thing, Right? So that's about eliminating, you know, risk. So uh, it will be interesting to see if this this offense can implement a big package that is effective. I love seeing the QB sneak. Um, I, 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 oh yes, I, it's amazing. You put a seven hundred year old guy behind the center and you run the QB sneak and the Fitz touchdown where Cam Jordan didn't seal the edge and he bit and, and he was, bit. Oh, beautiful! <laughs> you gotta be kidding me! The wheels of Fitzpatrick. All right, let's let's train our guns to the Eagles. We're past the ten o'clock hour. I don't keep you out too late. I know you got an important celebrity at 5:30. thing. Five thirty. Five thirty in the morning. Foot golf is early. <laughs> what are your predictive MVPs this week, sir? Who I'm do you think is going to show out uh, on the offense? Do we have offensive defense? Right? Offense and defense. Offense. Yes, I think OJ Howard. Uh, pick any of the tight ends, but I'm going to go OJ Howard mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the ball. I am looking for someone in the secondary, so I'm going Justin Evans, I think, with either a pick six or a big interception off of Foles. Uh, trying to maybe to force it to, to Zach Ertz. So I'm going Justin Evans on defense Interesting. and OJ Howard on offense. Interesting. Predictive MVPs. It's funny, when you said Evans with the pick, I thought, well, who's Foles is going to throw the ball far enough downfield for that to be... Uh, to be an issue, but if he tries to, if he, to Zach Ertz. yeah, <laughs> well, we saw the tip interception for the Falcons. That's something that I did like out of what this defense was doing is when they had an opportunity to hit, they hit. They also were trying to create turnovers, which was a throwback to the defenses of the past. Let me tell you one of the keys of what the Falcons did. They tackled. Yes. Okay. So no yards after catch. They kept him in, and they made tackles and they hit just like you said. Yep. The tackling's got to get better because it was absolutely porous in the first quarter against the Saints. Yep. And the, the Falcons just played a good defensive game and did not allow the Eagles to break anything big. And that's why you saw the four yards per completion. Uh, no really big plays. A couple, they broke out in the running couple, backs. A couple in the end. But they, yeah. they, they tackled. Yep. And it was, it was just fundamental. And that's why the Eagles struggled so much on offense. And, and one of the keys we had last week, we have it all the time, is do your job, tackle, block, and catch, right? That's one of the things they've got to do, irrespective of what's going on. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. I, I love your idea of the tight ends. Um, I don't want to pick a tight end, too, because that just seems too homerish to do. So on the predictive offensive side of the ball, I'm going to go with Mike Evans. Uh, I think Mike does it differently this week. But I think that Mike does it in the red zone for us. 
Uh, and I think we learned that, that Coach Munkin understands how red zone offense works a little bit better maybe than Coach Cutter does and takes advantage of the fact that he has a freak. I watch, Watching Julio Jones, even though he put up like 600 yards against the Eagles, and I've been an unabashed uh, fan of Julio Jones as a player, though I dislike the Falcons intensely. Mike Evans against the Saints, Julio Jones against the Eagles, Mike Evans looks like a better player right now. And not Agreed. because of Yak. I don't think a ball gets thrown to Mike Evans that he can't catch. I, I He looks even better than he has looked before, and he has always looked good. And I, it was like Dikembe Mutombo when he came to play for the, the Magic, and he blocked a kid, and he asked him if he didn't have cable growing up. Like, how did you not know I was going to do that? <laughs> That's where Mike Evans is starting to Mutombo get. Mutombo played for the Magic? I'm pretty sure he played for the Magic. I think it was, was it Mutombo who came to Magic? It wasn't Mutombo. No. I have to look it up. It was a long time ago, and I think it was Mutombo at the end of his career. I just remember Tree Rollins. Tree Rollins, oh, the, Patrick, play, Patrick the player played, coach. Patrick Ewing played for the Magic. No, he coached for the Magic. He never played for the Magic. I thought he's. I thought No, he, he was a big man coach for the Magic. Him and Horace Grant didn't play the same year together? Stop it. This is when they that were was going, when Shaq played. They were going old, old man ball. No, stop it. Listen, no, that's they, back they, when I still watched the NBA. They brought Patrick, Ewing, Patrick Ewing never played for the fucking Magic. Someone Pinnacle, look it up. Pinnacle, Pinnacle look, look it, up. it up. And it's not irregardless, Damn Horace, it. Horace Grant played two separate stints with the Magic. They uh, traded Corey, Ma- Corey says, McGetty for him. Oh, Corey McGetty, the Duke prodigy. Um, no Mutombo in Orlando. Who the, where, where was it? You got, Pinnacle, you're going to know the reference. He, sw- he, he did the finger. He's like, didn't you have cable? He may, maybe not for the Magic, but I remember the highlight, damn it. But Patrick Ewing was a coach, not a player for okay. the Magic. I know he was a coach. But at any rate, uh, Mike Evans on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball against the Eagles, who do I think it's going to be? It's going to be LVD. And he's going to be the one with the pick six because they're going to try and run that flat, that flat bullshit, and he's going to run underneath it. And we're going to be reminded of great – oh, son of a bitch. Pinnacle said you're right. Ewing did play for the Magic. <laughs> God damn it. I hate being wrong so much. <laughs> this is when I used to watch the NBA. I haven't watched it in He six wore years. number six for the Magic. <laughs> Played with Horace Grant. I'm Stop telling you. Me. Look it up. What, do you have the internet or something, Pinnacle? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Just kidding. Um <laughs> I love Pinnacle. <laughs> uh, anyway, those are my predictions MVPs. Let's go with the score. What's your score? And you guys in the chat room can jump in this game, too. What are your uh, predictions for scores and predictive MVPs on offense and defense? I remembered he played and coached, uh, or he coached and played, but that was Tree Rollins. Tree Rollins did. Patrick Ewing, I didn't think, played and coached at the same time. But maybe oh, I'm I can wrong. go through all the magic big, big men. Stanley Roberts, the, Greg The Kite, mighty Stanley Roberts. Mark Akers. Come on, going back <laughs> old school. <laughs> Excellent. All right, what's your score prediction this week, my friend? I've got uh, if if the Bucks weren't beat up, I would give them a two touchdown win. But because they're beat up a little bit, I'm going 24-23. Oh, a nail biter! And a nail biter. I think special teams comes up a block, a big return, something to set up a short field, and I think it's going to make the difference in the game. Do you 24, think it's Do you think it's going to make the difference with a big cat field goal? No. No. <laughs> That's why I said a block or a big return. I thought I was going to set it up. Hey, if he kicks a 44-yarder this week, I, I, I think I, I like Catanzaro. It it just, the 40-plus thing. Just stop it, it. You know, I'm listen, a data guy. Listen, and be careful. And the trends with the kickers, that 40-plus thing scares the shit out of be me. Be careful. What I didn't understand this week about Catanzaro, and I am going to will him to greatness. You want to use, well, we talked about this on Twitter. The depth of the, field, of the kickoffs. I didn't understand that. Because that is something he had no issue with. And all of a sudden, in a beautiful indoor facility, he kicks one deep and the rest are all shit. And it wasn't like it was strategic. He wasn't trying no, to, to bomb them. 
Um, Pinnacle says he's required to know all basketball references outside of the Hoosiers movie. There's nothing wrong with understanding the Hoosiers movie. Embrace it. Don't hate it. Leadership South says a shootout, 48 to 38 bucks. Another 48-point game. Holy crap. Christopher Oxentine says 31 to 17 bucks. Tom Brooks says he coached Dwight Howard after Ewing retired. Wow, that's a sure lot of points put up on this Eagles defense. Tom, we have some confident fans right now. 48, consistent number for the Bucks offense. <laughs> He's like, fuck you. 48 every week. Every week. 48's the new normal. Um, Tom Brooks says 24-17 Bucks win. JT Westbury, 27-24 Eagles. Uh, I am going to go with a 27-17 Buccaneers victory this week. Uh, and I do think that... It's going to take some overcoming of adversity. I think this offensive line is going to be a little bit shocked by what they see from this defensive line. I also think that the crowd is uh, is going to be decidedly Eagles-centric. 50-50? 60-40? What are you thinking? 60-40 Philly? 60-40 Philly. It's expensive tickets. Yeah. There were people flying it's down. A, it's expensive tickets for locals. If right. you're an NFC East person, and this is how the NFC East has always been, it's 3X to go to a game there. They'll come down here, stay for a week, go to Disney, have a good time. It, it, it's not an issue for them. They were them. on the plane with my wife flying back on yep. Tuesday, all the Eagles fans coming down. I uh, I am not looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to a great tailgate. I'm looking forward to a great time. I know that the Bucks fans who are there are going to get loud. I, I And by the way, uh, shout out to Samer from the Stick Carriers. That hype video he did was fucking phenomenal. Uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out. He did a quick hype video about bringing Nasty back, and it was fire as most stuff that Sam does. Nasty back. It yeah. was it was uh, pretty sick. So uh, it's going to be a fun time at Raymond James Stadium. They're opening up the beach, which is yeah, nice. That looks kind of cool. Yeah, it looks kind of cool. Um, got craft beer in the in the uh, East Club now. I got I checked that exactly. out. Exactly. Lots of local options. Uh, <laughs> there are, and East Club has really stepped up their game, and they have a great bar. It's called Bar Seventy Six. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, Bar yeah. Seventy Six. Um, all right. Well, listen. That's our updates for tonight. Uh, Chris, you got other things you want to tell people about BYOCB? Where can they see your stuff? Yeah. I know you're still tweeting like a son of a bitch about the Bucks, even though you're retired. Yeah, BYOCBshow.com. Uh, check it out. And yeah, I'm going to do, I'll probably continue to tweet about the Bucks when I have the time to do so. It's just, it's free time. I got bored the other day. I'm nice. like, eh, let's watch some film. And I watched some of the Eagles uh, Falcons today as well. That's usually what I like to do is kind of project the upcoming opponents. So we'll see. Uh, I got way too many invites now on the podcast that I'm sorry, uh, folks. I, I, I told people God, he's so, September. So big timing right you now. You got to lay off in September. And then Derek <laughs> messaged me last night. I was like, ah, fuck it. I'll drive out there. It's Friday night. I'm going to be up at 530. <laughs> I, you know, you're, you're worth it. You're worth it. Oh, hey, well, thank you. I appreciate that, Chris. It's always good to have your, your, your man, JT Westbury, just brought up a good point. And by the way, shout out to Polk County. Um, 91 degrees at game time. 91 well, is, degrees at game time. See, this is where I think, and even though the Eagles are from the Northeast, I feel they have an advantage from a rotation standpoint at on the defensive line because I think they're they're deeper at this point. They're and six that's, deep good. That's only because of injuries right now with Tampa. Yeah, they're six deep good. The different, And this is where it becomes interesting with Coach Munkin. If he goes out there and tries to throw the ball all over the field, then they're not kept on the field, right? And so uh, what I believe Coach Munkin will do is take what they give him. So whatever that is, like he doesn't have, uh, you know, a hard on that I've got to go throw for 500 yards or I've got to run the ball for 200 yards. He's going to line up, see what he's got and say, okay, there's, they're playing off. We're going to go underneath. If they're playing up, we're going to go over the top. But I do think, listen, I was outside today and it was allegedly 91. My fat ass grew up down here. It is hot as hell. And I'm sure we got them in their green. You know, I didn't check the uniform. <laughs> Shit. 
that's some nasty shit, man. Yeah. That's going to be gross on the field, especially if we get some rain and the humidity goes up. So you can't bank on the, the environment helping you, but it sure as hell shouldn't hurt us. So I want to thank Chris Fisher of Bucks Brief Podcast fame for coming out here. I want to thank you guys for listening to the show. We'll get this podcast up right afterwards. And we'll see you guys at the tailgate. Remember, the gate's open. Well, you can park earlier, but the actual tailgate starts at 9 o'clock. We've got the whole schedule with the buck.net forward slash tailgate. We'd love to see you guys out there. Buy a pie for charity. If you'd like to throw it in my face, you're welcome to. I think our whole crew will be available. Pick your wife. Pick your husband. Pick a stranger. Ask them nicely. You'll be able to put a pie in their face, and all those proceeds will go towards pediatric cancer research, advocacy, and support. So uh, for Chris, for myself, for the whole What the Buck crew, we are out of here. <laughs>